Well, hello there, naughty boys and girls. It is I, Disaster Welcome to the Tasty Ibbits Podcast. Here, we are all about the drag, the art, the trash, and the comedy. <laughs> Important announcement before you listen any further. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! That's right! Be careful because this episode we're gonna talk about the new Boulet Brothers Dragula series called Titans with none other than slippery fashion gangster and massive entertainment icon and my season 2 bestie, Felony Toya. They're gonna clown around and jibber-jabber with me about this exciting new unreality competition. Let's get messy, ugly! Felony Dodger, welcome to my funny little TV show. I mean, no, uh, welcome to my podcast. Woo, good morning, happy week. You know, we were besties over there on the season two, and that's when I met you, and that's when we became friends is on our season of Dragula, and uh, now we're still friends. We're like really good, super good drag buddies. Yes, I remember that someone told me you were on Dragula because I had been called and told that I was going to get to do it. So I was trying to figure out who else was on it and I was investigating and I found a video of you and you had these uh, like party hat booby cone boobies on <laughs> and you were talking about how you had just got your boob job. And I thought you were so funny. And I was like, oh, I was like, this person's on it. I was like, this is great. This is this person's hilarious. And then I was also nervous because I was like, oh, I'm learning that everybody's like really far at what they do. And I don't feel like I am. So I was like, but it was very funny. That was my very first impression of you. My cone boob reputation, I guess, preceded me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm glad it did. Did it titillate you? Sure. Well, it's interesting, you know, on our season, we were both the baby queens. You know, I had probably performed around a dozen times before being on that show. I was more like a video queen. Yeah. And you, I know, had just started to drag like, you know, a year or a year and a half before. Yeah. So I think both of us were, for the amount of time that we had been doing drag, were really advanced. But um, it didn't prepare me for like you know, the nervousness of being on the show. You were speaking of being intimidated by others. I was definitely intimidated by the whole process, even though I thought it would be no big deal because, you know, I have family members who have been doing, you know, reality TV shows. Right. So I'm like, oh, I got this. And then you get on there and your knees are knocking and you don't know what to say. And But that's the way it goes, I guess, eh? I mean, as an audience member sitting at a bar watching these drag competition shows, whatever show it is, whether it's, Dragula or the other as a spectator in a bar you're always like I can't believe she didn't even learn how to sew or learn a couple dance moves or learn a couple things that you would need to learn to be on one of these shows and watching Titans even now 
I would never admit this in front of like somebody like the belaborers. <laughs> like I'm sitting there being like, I've never applied a bald cap. Well, I had never even done that either. I've still never done it. And then on episode, what was it? Episode two or something, there was a bald cap thing going on. And I was just like, wow, if I was to be on some sort of reality show, I would really need to cover my bases and like really give myself a crash course in all of this stuff. I was even at Nigel, the makeup store recently, and I was looking at the bald caps and I was like, should I just get one just to try it just so I can say, yes, I've done that? Because I guess you never know when you're going to need to do it. Well, the Boulay brothers are different. They're going to ask you to do things that not any of these other shows are going to ask you to do. So how can you possibly prepare? How could you possibly know that, oh, I better learn to know how to put a bald cap on for an episode? I think in that moment, I would have thought, well, I don't know how to do a bald cap. I'm going to shake my head. Yeah, I would have done that too. A lot easier. It's easier. It'll grow back. <laughs> yeah. I can screw up a bald cap. I can't screw up getting rid of all my hair. Exactly. Well, speaking of this whole Titans situation, just generally speaking, what do you think of the Titans cast? I think it's a good cast. I was eager to find out who was on it, and I didn't, I didn't investigate much about it. So it's a lot of surprises for me. I've known a couple things here and there, but it's all pretty much new to me, which is lovely. I used to be so into finding out what was going to happen before it happened Mm -hmm. and kind of observing this time, which is great. Also, the production value of the show makes it more, it's easier to watch now. You know, I honestly, I wasn't that jazzed about season four, the way it looked and felt, but Titans feels a lot tighter, tightening up the Titans. It just feels more cohesive and especially like, you know, the cauldron and, you know, the workroom and everything. That seems very seamless right now. This season seems like they're in the zone. Everything seems perfect. And the cast is great. And it's cool to see my old buddies on there performing. And it seems like they're having a really good time for the most part. They seem like they know each other really well, which is true. And so they have a really good rapport whether it be, you know, a sarcastic rapport or a sort of like a supportive rapport. I have so many good one-liners and so many good little, like, quips. That's what I'm really enjoying. They all know each other. It's interesting seeing people that I know all fraternizing with each other and having the drama with each other. <laughs> and now, a short break for an important message. Hi, this is Sparkleboard the Mushroom Gnome. You are listening to the Tasty Earbits Podcast. Help support our endeavor by joining our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash fire. One word. I'm Snorkelboard the Mushroom Gnome. The Mushroom Gnome, the Mushroom Gnome, the Mushroom Gnome, the Mushroom Snorkelboard the Mushroom Gnome, the Mushroom Gnome, the Mushroom Let me ask you this. Would you have done this show if the Boulets had asked you? Of course. I want exposure. I want attention. I want money. So. Well, they're not going to give you no money. Tell me anything. I would do a lot of things. 
or a platform. Being a drag performer, that's kind of what you're brought up to do is just do things for free or do things that are strenuous or do things that are humiliating for little payoff because you're going to get more from it in the future. That's true. You know, on uh, when I was cast, I was a nobody. I didn't have any following. I mean, I had like maybe a, a bit of a local buzz. But then, you know, once I got on season two, you know, my micro fame sort of blossomed and I had enough popularity to actually make a micro career out of it. <laughs> and it definitely got me opportunities. So I'm super thankful to have been cast and to have done the show. So I get you. Where you're coming from, even though you do not get paid on the Bully Brothers Dragula, or maybe they changed that now that they were with AMC, maybe they have to legally give you something. But um, you get a lot of exposure, and you can make a go of being a career person as a drag performer, which is pretty special. Yes, that is a draw. I would definitely do something like that again to be able to leave my bartending job behind. My bartending job is great. It's lucrative. Before COVID, I tried doing the full-time costuming and I, for other people as well as myself. And it was that thing of like, you're making costumes for other people, but you're not charging enough and they want to change done to the costume and they don't understand changing a small thing here means you have to unravel so much and you don't charge enough. And it was just difficult. And I have identified with friends when I'm asked questions like, you know, what is your happiest day? When are you happiest? My happiest day is when I wake up and I go to the gym and I cook for myself and then I just work on stuff. Mm -hmm. And if I could eliminate the bartending aspect of my income, then every day would be what I just like to do. Like, you know, I could wake up, I could go to the gym and I could just work on stuff for me. And like, if someone's paying me for that, that's the fantasy. <laughs> you know, in the United States, it is sort of a fantasy to be, a, to be a paid artist and to just work on art. You know, maybe in Europe, you can get on the dole or whatever. But in the United States, yeah, you have to have these other jobs. You have to have the way to support yourself. But uh, I hear you. I would love to be able to do that, too. My lady wife, Ave Rose, is very good at that. She is a legit professional artist, and she gets paid for doing art and this sort of things. I would like to do that myself one day. <laughs> I mean, you do. Sort of. I, I do it enough to get into debt. Well, I'm sure it's not easy, but... Yeah, we're always sort of like squeaking by and like uh, biting our fingernails, hoping we have enough money for rent, you know, every month. So people out there, you're listening to this, right? We're struggling artists. You go and buy stuff from us, okay? <laughs> there you go. So I recently had COVID again. <clears throat> so sorry to hear it. It's okay. It's the second time I've had it and it's the second time it's been so mild for me. It's been like just a minor inconvenience. And I used it to my advantage because... I make stuff um, and I go through my piles of fabric and I say, I can't leave the house. This is my material. This is what I have to work with. But I just put on Instagram like, hey, I'm going to be making t-shirts and like silly little things and just selling them on my Instagram. And people bought it. And I made substantial money while I had COVID. I made definitely a comparable amount of money that I would have made bartending. So it's like I didn't even miss work kind of thing. That reminds me, I got to go pick up that stuff that we bought from you. <laughs> so, yes. Anyway, back to the Titans. Um, Are you getting very excited about the Boulay Brothers Titans? 
Yes, lots of twists and turns. We can talk about the severed ties today. The drama has been disrupted. The Titans! What did you think of this episode called Zombie Prom? I thought the premise was super cute. I like the basic bitch challenge, so I enjoyed that they brought that back, but I really liked that they added the element of horror into it. Mm -hmm. So I was into the way they did the two-in-one, and um, I thought everyone did a pretty good job. And I felt like maybe they didn't explain this, but I think liquid latex skin must have been on the description sheet. It said, it probably said you have to use liquid latex to make skin because every single person did that. And like when they were showing, what are you making in the workroom? Every single person was like peeling layers of their handmade skin. So the premise of the challenge is, you know, you have to look like a beautiful person at the prom. And then afterwards, all of a sudden you get bit by somebody and then you turn into a zombie. So whatever you were wearing sort of like gets disheveled and transformed. And you also have to transform your whole body and your face. I know in the workroom, Abora was talking about using latex paint, it seemed like. And then... Also, Melissa was using maybe a slip latex or something, sort of like building up these little plates of it. So maybe they were all using liquid latex, which would make a lot of sense. I really enjoyed Abora's colored marble latex skin. It was the most unusual. It had a different kind of color scheme to it, a different kind of texture. It looked way trashy, which, you know, I appreciate. I like that. But it also had some rough edges. So it wasn't pristine and beautiful, let's say, as Victoria Elizabeth Black. But they are a legit expert at all this sort of things. They really have a lot of experience doing this sort of thing. And I don't know if all these other drag performers really have that sort of experience. Maybe some do, some don't. Just speaking about myself, I do have a little bit of experience doing like facial prosthetics. And, you know, I know people in the industry who are always there, you know, willing to instruct me and to help me on this sort of thing. But if I all of a sudden had to do like half my body or my whole body being a zombie, I'm not sure what the hell I would do. Mm -hmm. Do you use prosthetics? I teach a class to high schoolers and it's a makeup class. Basically, it's like a cheat hack prosthetics horror makeup class. And all I do is I go in and I'd show them that you can make stuff with household objects. So it's very what Melissa was doing. It's like one week we made cuts out of toilet paper and liquid latex. And one week we used cotton and liquid latex to like make our eyes look really sunken and like a mummy. And then last week we used those like thermoplastic balls to make like a mouth guard and fangs. And we used model magic to make horns and I show them what prosade or prosade was and we'd like put horns on and like. So you are kind of unusual. You are a teacher. So these other performers don't necessarily have that sort of expertise, even with the Dragula performers. I think it really kind of showed with Melissa. I don't think Melissa had the skill with the prosthetics that everybody else had right? She didn't. And I wouldn't either, but I don't have actual prosthetic skills. I'm basic with this class. I'm basically just being a YouTube channel. I'm, I'm just going on YouTube and literally finding special effects tutorials, like DIY stuff and reteaching it to kids. But it is a really good introduction for me into that world. 
I made a face cast of myself, but I have not made a silicone or like a foam prosthetic before. And I really want to. It's an investment. It's space. It's a mess. It's, it's a lot of things. You're right. Importantly, you mentioned expense. We're a bunch of broke drag performers over here. So you go to, you know, the effects store to buy latex or a prosthetic. And then you realize, oh, $350 for all this stuff? Uh, maybe I'll just do it with toilet paper. <laughs> you know, it's just, it is really expensive. You look to RuPaul's Drag Race. Now, when you get on that show, there is a whole support system of designers who are lining up to help you, right? They're like, oh, you're going to get on RuPaul's Drag Race. I will do a free dress for you. I will do a free prosthetic for you. I will do, you know, this uh, free crown, whatever for you, just so you can have really good pictures of it and I can promote myself and this sort of thing. I don't know if the Dragula performers have figured this out yet, how important it is to be a designer on this TV show. At this point, Dragula is becoming more and more popular. This could make designers' careers. If they would just go to different designers and say, I need this outfit, I may or may not be on a show, and no, I can't pay you, but you are going to get hundreds of thousands of eyeballs for your work. And I don't think enough people on this show have realized that. There have been some subpar looks on this show, and it is confusing to me. If you don't have the time to do it yourself, you have to go out there and find somebody to do it. And you should be able to find somebody to do that for you. And you shouldn't have to pay that much for it. If you look really shabby, you don't have a good outfit for the show. There's kind of no excuse at this point. They don't say, here's a whole bunch of money. Go out and do whatever you need to do to look good on the show. But I think people have not been using resources the way they could. Right. And now for some more very important commercial messages. From Out TV. Do you need release? Scrap. Buckle up, baby girl. The fun's about to begin. Yeah! <laughs> this here is Crazy Town, and you're the mayor of it. Why does the party always end up in the kitchen? I'm here to probe your black hole. Eat your heart out, bitch. Oh, well, yeah? Yeah. Let's get some dry. I had my heart set on a pizza, though. Fresh as fuck. Mmm, mmm. Brace yourself. What is this thing? It's a body up in here. Don't be sorry, be better. I'm still the baddest demon around. I'm a sexy Indian, motherfucker. Feels like the real thing. Ha <laughs> ha me the fuck out! <laughs> Let's bright this bitch. What the fussing began? <laughs> Six exciting episodes now available at outtv.com or just go to sadopsychiatrist.com for a direct link. Also available on the OutTV Apple TV channel. Sign up now, the first week is free. And also, also available on demand in the UK and Ireland via the Fruit TV, that's F-R-O-O-T dot TV channel. Use the code Disasterina for a free month. 
But let's go back into the highlights of the episode. This was a super fun episode, and all the episodes this season have been super fun. Now, it started off with the no-love triangle, and then there was the eating brains thing, and then they sort of got into doing their explaining their outfits, and then they did a floor show and stuff. What was your big moment of the episode? Um, I mean, I guess the drama of the ending, the breakup of the love triangle. I call it the no-love triangle. Love triangle finally happened. But my favorite looks were probably um, Vicky and Eva, actually. I enjoyed Eva's very cute little nerdy prom girl and into the face. The texture on the skin was different. I don't know if it was just a bodysuit, but on the forehead, I thought like it had like a moldiness and I thought that was cool. And I thought the entire like bottom part of the face missing was comedy i thought it was funny it looked like her entire bottom skin has just been ripped off yeah it remained funny and i enjoy that and that's what i'm gonna always go for is funny and that's why i really like eva's and then victoria looked incredible both times and that's a given for her but she always kind of outshines as far as the technical skills go. But, you know, sometimes that doesn't carry her through. So like last week, for example, yeah, she looked really good, but it didn't carry her through. And this week I thought it did. I think uh, Victoria, maybe in our season, didn't quite have the confidence. They had all the looks. They had all the, you know, the techniques down, but didn't quite have the confidence. But the difference for titans is that she's had a lot of practice season two and resurrection and years of doing their own show down in orlando mm -hmm. also she works as a creature creator basically yeah victoria seems super confident and just very comfortable and that is really fun to watch because they are giving people shade and they are saying funny things. And I love them in the confessional. They just seem so relaxed. And they had a really funny quip. Victoria was talking to Astrid. Uh, Astrid mentioned something about the top three. And then Victoria's just kind of, you know, nodding her head. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then and they cut to the confessional and Victoria says, well, they were sitting right there. I can't say anything about they're not going to make it to the top three. <laughs> I thought that was super funny. I love that's what was missing for our season for Victoria, I think. Yeah, um, she's doing a lot better and she's definitely a more uh, outgoing. I'm team Vicky. I'm definitely OK with saying that I would like her to win. Go team Vicky. Before the season, I was like, I want Abora up there. I want Abora to win this whole thing. I know they got what it takes, but I think this no love triangle derailed them. They just didn't seem in the game as much as some of the others. So that was a disappointing thing for me. They still brought some really cool stuff, but they didn't quite match the intensity of the others. You know, I'm the biggest Abora fan in the world. I want uh, to see that avant-garde style that they have. You know, nobody has the Abora style. They have horror. They have pure art, avant-garde looks, and just a ferocious, frenetic catastrophic performance style, which I really appreciate. Anybody who's gone to a drag show in Cinebora can attest that this person is right on the edge of being dangerous. You could watch them hurt themselves or hurt somebody in the crowd. It just seems so crazy, and that's why it's so compelling. That's why I like it so much. 
Yeah, going into it, even even two years ago when rumors and like inklings of things started being spread around about like, oh, they're going to do some sort of all-stars something, I was fully like, oh, it's the Abora season. And I still thought that going into it. And it is a bummer that she tripped up so much. <laughs> but um, I'm here for Vicky for sure. I think Vicky just has it together. It hasn't really slipped except for that acting challenge. has not really slipped the whole season. But let me go back a little bit here. Now, this episode had this sort of like disgusting little competition right in the beginning of it, the eating of the brains. Mm-hmm. What would you do if you had to eat a whole bunch of brains? Yeah, I mean, of course I'd eat the brains. Every episode, the fear, the what are, what are they calling it? The, the fear Well, there thing? used to be a show called, I think it was called The Fear Factor. Right. Where they, yeah, where they, it was a competition show and you had to do something scary, something dangerous. I think that this season, and maybe just because it's Titans, that the fright feats, I'm a little bit, I feel like they're a little bit lackluster, whereas in previous seasons, it was like, we're going to make you go paintballing. We're going to make you fight in the Thunderdome. We're going to make you jump out of an airplane. And I feel like maybe just because it's Titans and they're focusing on look elimination, look elimination, that the field trips have kind of taken a backseat. Yes, they did go to the Dungeons and Dragons place. But I feel like the field trips and kind of the adventurous challenges have been removed. But I would like to see those come back. And if you're just going to make them like dip their face and like eat garbage every episode, that's fine. It's very fear factor, I guess. But um, I do kind of think it's lackluster. And I do miss the field trip element and the activity adventures element. And I get it. That that takes a whole other day probably to do like... Mm-hmm. On a field trip to go play paintball, that's a whole other day of production and that's editing. And like, if the focus of Titans is to just hone in on their ability and their looks and their craft, then I understand why they're re- they're not having that aspect of it in there. But I don't know, just making them eating garbage every episode is kind of lackluster to me. I'll eat it for a hundred thousand dollars. I'm gonna <laughs> eat it. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because the difference of this season to the other seasons is that they don't have any exterminations. In the past, they would have two or three people who were sort of on the bottom, right? And they would have some sort of fear factor kind of a competition to it. But I think, you know, what the problem was in the past with these exterminations is that it was too subjective. And you know this better than anybody. You took the same fucking amount of needles as those other two bitches on stage. And they just said, oh, well, you know, these other two would work better for the story of the show or something. Right. It has nothing to do with that. (laughs) It has very little to do with the challenge. It's who they want in and out. Now, going through the trap door, I think that's way more fair than the exterminations because there really is no way to win an extermination. Mm -hmm. They take these three people, they're going to put them through hell, and if they make it through hell, they're going to get rid of one of them anyway. So I think this is a little better where they don't have the exterminations, but you're right, it does take away this horrendous little mini-adventure, right? The winner of the Fright Feet gets a privilege, so I would like to see maybe, yeah, maybe not exterminations, but maybe these like little adventures are incentives, and you get stuff, or you get privilege. 
who won the brains? Eva. Eva was safe. Eva. So yeah, she won the privilege of like being safe. So yeah, I mean, maybe like it's an incentive-based thing rather than an extermination thing. I mean, and again, it's Titans. So maybe season five will introduce the element of travel and adventure back into it. So who do you think were the best? Abora, Eva, Astrid, Hoso, Coco, Victoria, and Melissa. So there's seven. Who did the best prom princess? Again, my favorite was Victoria, but I was very impressed with Astrid's prom. Astrid looked super, super duper pretty. I thought she did a very good job being very pretty. I enjoyed that change. I wish Hoso would have not done the Hoso eye. <laughs> I think that is my only complaint. It's kind of a minor complaint. Hoso looks super cute in the pink princess for the prom. I've never seen Hoso do anything like that, so I was totally into it. You're right. He does those eyes very similar the whole time. I understand it's a trademark. It's not a huge criticism. I would have wanted something a little more softer. I was really looking forward to seeing Hoso without the uh, that eyeball so i was a bit like ah damn it and now a short break for an important message mitchell dobb here for cold sluts on fire holiday season is right around the corner but super monster season is already here celebrate now with artsy presents for your evil loved ones the perfect choice is the Super Monster 9-pack series of fine art digital prints featuring your favorite uglies from Dragula. All lovingly designed by LA's most disastrous drag queen, Disasterina. Don't delay another minute. Go to ColesLet'sOnFire.com to order. My favorites were, well, I loved Victoria, but I really loved Coco. Coco is coming into their own on this Titan season. Yeah. Their looks are really fucking sickening. Their attitude is dead on perfect. They're shady in the right way, right? Coco is really annoyed with the no love triangle. They've sort of had it with all this, honestly, phony drama. And I really appreciate that. I'm not into the phony drama. I like drama, but it has to be about the competition. Right. I guess, you know, the prom episode is perfect for the Noah Love Triangle because that's the way people would act in high school. It's silly. I'm telling you, it's silly. But Coco's makeup. I'm loving Coco's makeup because they are so voluptuous and they're using these sort of like thin white lines like the liquid eyeliner all over their face which coincidentally i like to do so i do really appreciate that look i think it's very interesting and they are just very monstrous i think coco could win and also could win miss congeniality at the same time congeniality <laughs> did i do my genealogy no miss congeniality t i don't know how to say it but you know what i mean mm-hmm uh, yeah, Coco is doing really, especially compared to that very first episode. That very first episode, she wore like some toilet paper <laughs> and was like, I'm a mummy. And I was fully like, oh, she's going home soon. She was like a barbarian warrior for the Dungeons and Dragons thing. I really enjoyed that. That well, was so good. And that gigantic axe. Yeah, the big axe was great. I, I think even without the big axe, it was still a really cool outfit. 
I've found myself also thinking of it from those angles of like, you know, the episode where Abora had to not have her wig. Whereas during that episode had Hoso had to wear the bald cap, Hoso's look would have been super affected in the negative because it was such a big headpiece. So I was even thinking like, oh man, what if Coco, what if they took the ax away from Coco and because of some crazy twist, but the look itself was still even like really cool. I think at one point there was like this little shot of Victoria and Coco doing some sort of weird kiss and part of Coco's face was coming off. <laughs> it was really gross. Or the color of Abora was very cool. Yeah, it was the most unusual. They took a chance with that one and it didn't quite work out. But I did like the transformation. I th also, they sort of like really took a chance with being a cheerleader. You know, you don't see the cheerleader at the prom, I don't think. But then again, I was never at the prom. So who knows? Maybe there are cheerleaders at a prom. So what about predictions here? Dun, 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 dun. Prediction time with Felony Dodger. What do you think is going to happen going forward? Mm, let's see how many are left. We just saw episode 5, Zombie Prom, and we have Melissa B. Fierce, Victoria Elizabeth Black, Coco Kane, Hoso Teratoma, Astrid Aurelia, and Eva Destruction. Um, My prediction is that top three will be Victoria, Hoso, and then for that final spot, a toss-up between Eva or Coco. Mm-hmm. That would be a super good top three for sure. I think Astrid is too much of a hothead. I don't think that she's going to make it. You know, I think they do super duper good looks. And they've completely transformed their drag on this season. They're doing way more monstery kind of thing. You know, before this, they were a brilliant sort of like avant-garde fashion queen. But this season, they've definitely turned into a monster. And I think what is clouding everybody's love of Astrid Aurelia is just sort of the, the hijinks. If you just concentrate on the drag that they are bringing, I think Astrid is definitely in the top. It's just that people are getting a little distracted with all the hijinks. You're right. Yeah, Astrid is very good at drag, but there's an ego problem and there's just a not thinking before you speak and act issue. And it's not the characteristics of somebody you want representing the brand as a winner. Well, I think we had a good little review of this episode. What's coming up for you? I recently did a classic rock night that I hosted and like put together. Uh, um, uh, um, like that? You mean? The Im immigration song, right? Yeah. <laughs> da -da 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 -da. I put together a classic rock night and I was, I don't like to produce things, to be honest. Um, I don't like being the one to do the emails and collect tracks and keep Queens responsible for doing stuff and hiring the flyer person and or making the, f I don't like doing all that, but I was like, Hey, I want to see a classic rock event because there's no classic rock track. So I just did that and I was very pleased and it actually drew people in and there was very good feedback. So I was very nervous and it was me trying to pull all my favors as far as like, Hey, friends who like tell me they're interested in my drag, like 
if you're going to come see me do drag something, please come to this because I'm producing it and I have fear that no one's going to come. So, you know, there was a room full of like guys that I've hooked up with from Grinder, and then like <laughs> other people that I've made feel guilty <laughs> to like come to this thing. And I, sh I'm, that's a kind of a joke, but Hey, you know, it's better than hooking up with me on Grinder this show. But it was very much me like trying to pull favors out of my friends and being like, please come here. But, uh, I was very pleased and happy with the turnout and the people had fun. They enjoyed the show. They thought that all the performers was great. There was a lot of variety. Anyway, I would like to do that again. I think I'm going to do a grunge night. I don't, I'm not necessarily trying to do like these genre nights either, but I did have fun. And so I guess I will say in the future, I'm, trying to produce little one-offs i don't want to have a monthly i don't need a monthly i don't need a weekly but i think having a couple little one-offs a year would be a lot of fun and i am getting back into making a lot of stuff which is nice i think that covid i was a, a bit astray and i've definitely been sewing 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 and crafting and crafting i've definitely been doing drag a lot more which has been lovely First of all, you are a really good host, which is a skill that doesn't come easily to a lot of performers. I am not a great host, so I really do appreciate that. You're also a great maker. The way you make things has a really interesting style. There's nobody else who makes stuff like Felony Dodger, that's for sure. And I think people out there, they need to go follow Felony Dodger and look what they are making and look and see if they can buy something. And if they're local, they should go to whatever show that they are organizing or being host of because it's going to be good. I appreciate that. So for almost two years now, maybe even a little more, I've been making it a point to sing something live and then to do a lip sync. If there's two numbers, I do one lip sync or one live. And every single show, somebody comes up to me and they say, I didn't know you sang. <laughs> I want to shake them and be like, I've been singing for like more than two years. I've been trying to open up into the fact that I do this and on my Instagram and on all the platforms I'm singing. So like, how are you so surprised? But you're good at hosting because you host a podcast and you host it. And I think the whole reason that you caught the Boulay's attention was that you were hosting little web things at Queen Kong. And then you hosted a little segment on season three. I guess those were adequate. But I think the thing is doing an entire night, I run out of things to say. But doing like a little segment here and there, I can get enough material together to make it sound good. So I think that's a difference. Nice. <laughs> well, I love it. It's wonderful. Well, thank you, my dear. Well, let's end it there. We had a really good little conversation. And this is going to be a great podcast episode. Thank you so much for doing it. Thank you for having me. You're awesome.
music for the podcast by Dr. Steve-O. Go to drstevo.com. D-O-C-T-O-R-S-T-E-E-V-O.com. I would like to personally thank our fantastic Patreon supporters. You are the ones who are keeping this podcast growing and going. Love you. Joseph Reich, Jeffrey Gallet, Indra Lonstein, Amy Marsh, Oliver J, Jeremy McNabb, Keith Ferguson, Annalyn Bond, Rollerblaze, Sazzy C, Silvana Ahmed, Tom, Ali, Carrie Wolf, Eric Peterson, John Gidbent, Renee Redanius, Melissa Sarah, Nikini Kill, Julia Levine, Rhea, Simon Law, Spencer Montoya, Story Nagel, and Katrina Miller. Thank you so much, and remember, Patreon supporters, if you have any questions for the magical disaster in the Queen herself, just go ahead and send me a message to Patreon, and I will answer your question on the air on the podcast. Special perks for you! You want to be as wonderful as those people? Well, then go to Patreon, Patreon, I don't know how to fucking pronounce it, dot com forward slash cold sluts on fire. One word, give us plenty of your greenbacks. We need it. <laughs>